welcome to Phoenix Foundation, an episode-by-episode podcast review of CBS's action-adventure series, MacGyver. I'm Patrick O'Reilly. And I'm Richard Wells. And today we'll be tackling Season 2, Episode 10, Three for the Road. The original air date for this episode was December 15th, 1986. This is our last episode for 1986. Nice. Um, It was directed by Alan Crosland, Jr., uh, this is the last thing he directed, according to his IMDb page. Yeah. Um, he lived 15 more years after this episode. Um, so he, he just retired, I guess, after this one. Um, but he is a big-time TV director. He directed over 68 series from the 50s and on through the 80s. And uh, before that, he edited features in the 40s and 50s. And he actually has an acting credit playing a young king in a movie called Three Weeks that came out in 1924, which I thought was interesting. So he played a king in 1924, which is he was pro- he was probably a ago. child. Yeah, like he, he in fact he probably may have even been an infant. Yeah, yeah. Um, and this episode was written by uh, Carrie Lenhart and John J. Sackmar, who we just had co-write the uh, Jack of Lies episode, and they will come back for two more episodes. Um, and I encourage everyone to go check out that interview we mentioned on uh, the MacGyver Project's website with uh, Carrie Lenhart about uh, his work on the show, because it, it is pretty interesting. Um, and actually, now that I think about it, because Jack of Lies had uh, Bonnie Barstow from Knight Rider. Right, and, right. And here we have Devin Miles from Knight Rider. But neither one of them wrote for Knight Rider, I don't think, uh, Carrie Lynn Hart or John J. Sackmar. But um, they will come back to do another Jack episode, Jack of Spies, and then Mask of the Wolf. Um, but in, in the interview for this episode, uh, he, he shares a couple of interesting uh, little factoids, uh, one of which is the fact that um, Devin Miles, as like a part of his agreement to be in this episode, uh, required that they have his uh, girlfriend at the time in the episode. So that's what? that's who's playing June Roberts in the oh. episode, is, is Anne Rogers was actually uh, Edward Mulher's girlfriend at the time. Um, and he also mentions that the way that the... So the writing credits for this episode are broken up. Teleplay is Carrie Lenhart and John J. Sackmar, and the story is Rob Hedden and Mark Lisson. Really, all four of them wrote the episode, mm-hmm. and each of them took one act, so it's a four-act structure. Right, right. Um, but basically, the network, pay, the way they pay, it would have been too expensive to pay all four of them as co-writers, so they had to split it up into teleplay and story. Right. And so they literally rolled, I'm trying to remember the, the interview now, they rolled like tennis balls down a hallway and whoever's tennis balls got the furthest got this got the teleplay credit and then so at least they were fair about it yeah they were very fair but that was how uh they ended up deciding on how the credits would be laid out for this episode um and rob hedden who uh we we had mentioned before uh wrote and directed jason takes manhattan the other uh the other writer for this episode um and uh why don't we go over just a brief um introduction to the episode okay well in this in this episode um, macgyver hitches a ride with a elderly uh, couple uh going across the country but they're being pursued by men who macgyver thinks are after him and uh the older couple thinks that they're after them so it's kind of a kind of a misleading who <laughs> no one quite knows who's who's after who yeah but uh they are being aggressively pursued across the desert yeah um and we basically start with uh, Edward Mulher and Ann Rogers as Guy and June Roberts. Mm-hmm. Um, they're driving a vintage 1959 Cadillac through the desert, and they're approaching the town of Mesa, uh, right. three miles outside of Mesa, which I was assuming was Mesa, Arizona. But then later on, 
I mean, the the implication is that they're driving to Hollywood. Correct. So if they're in Arizona, you cross the border into California, and then you go to Hollywood. But then MacGyver says he needs to go to Albuquerque Airport, and they say it's on the way. Mm-hmm. Which New so Mexico is behind them if they're in Arizona, so they can't right, be in Arizona. Right. So I, I'm not exactly sure where they are. Um, but they pull into the Casa del Rey Motel. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Edward Mulhair, as, as I mentioned before, is probably best known as Devin Miles from Knight Rider. He was in 85 episodes of the show. Um, he, was, he was like the the creator of the car or something right, like that. Like yeah. He was the guy in charge. Yeah. And he actually uh, made reappearances in like the Knight Rider TV movie that they did later. Mm-hmm. And he actually showed up. Uh, one of his last credits was on Baywatch Nights. Because oh, okay. Hasselhoff just brought him back for yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... That should be our next podcast is Baywatch Nights. Oh, I was thought you were going to say Knight Rider. <laughs> <laughs> if you're not familiar, Baywatch Nights is essentially a cross between Baywatch and the X-Files. Yeah, it was. And it's totally insane. Yeah. It, you know what, though? It was actually kind of brilliant at the same time. Yeah, no, it was fun. I enjoyed all the episodes I saw, but it was totally ridiculous. Um, and it was supposed to just be take place in the same universe. Like, yeah, yeah. David was... Hasselhoff, by day, is like rescuing children that are drowning, and then at night he's like, talking to aliens and mm. monsters and stuff on the beach so it was totally insane but um but yeah so macgyver is at this hotel also the casa del rey um and he's meeting with a friend tony sullivan who uh is a member of the syndicate and so he has to make his deals in secret but he has something very important that he wants to hand off to macgyver right and of course you know we're getting the, we're getting the syndicate again it's like right it's a reoccurring thing that they talk about um you know, have we have we officially said that the three the three men work for the syndicate? I I don't think it's been said in the episode explicitly. Uh, we did have a brief mention of the syndicate when we were meeting uh, John Vernon's character in the Gauntlet. Mm-hmm. Um, that just said, I, it, but it could have been just a general reference to crime syndicates. Right, right. Um, but yeah, so th- this could potentially be the first like official mention of an actual like the syndicate um, of the MacGyver universe. But Tony Sullivan uh, in this episode actually isn't credited. I couldn't yeah, figure I, out who he was. Yeah, I was trying to look over some things here, and like, there's nothing, nothing on the IMDb. Yeah, so, and so they, they never mention who the actor who plays this character. If anybody knows, I, I'd be interested to hear. But um, he's, for whatever reason, not credited in the episode at all, despite having speaking lines. Yeah, I mean, he is... Uh, you know, spoiler alert, he is about to be eliminated. Yeah, he doesn't last uh, very but, long, but I mean, he probably says close to as much as the professor did in ugly duckling yeah oh yeah yeah so I mean, tony arrives and macgyver you know sees him from the balcony and no sooner does tony arrive that uh, another car pulls up with like two goons inside and they say oh hey tony let's have a talk and tony starts to run and i really feel that he could have made it up over this wall like he, yeah, he yeah. really didn't try to make it up over this wall yeah like, he grabs hold of it and kind of just kind of gives a eh, uh, and uh, but they probably wouldn't have killed him because they they needed him. But Tony then pulls a gun on them. Yeah. And so they're they, they take their action against him and kill him. Yeah. And uh, before they kill him, uh, as he's running away from them, he throws a small bag um, or a satchel, as it's mm-hmm. referred to later in the episode, into uh, the convertible that. Uh, uh, Guy and June Roberts pulled up in. Yeah, they didn't. Put, he didn't put the top up yet. Right. Yeah. So it they've they've parked the car and they've gone in to get their room, but the car's still out front, and now this bag is sitting in the in the passenger seat on the floor, um, and uh, so the bad guys don't have it, and Tony pulls a gun on them, so 
uh, they shoot back and, and end up killing him, and MacGyver gets there a little too late. Right. Um, Just like and, the professor. Yeah, exactly. And he basically says that uh, that he knew Tony from his time running guns in Afghanistan. Tony's time running guns in Afghanistan, right. not MacGyver's. Um, Pre- he, presumably to the Mujahideen. Yeah, and he said years ago, um, the To Be a Man episode, which takes place in Afghanistan, is about a year ago. So it could be the same visit to the country, mm. potentially. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, oh, wow. That would – ah, it's so tight. This universe is so tightly knit. <laughs> Um, but yeah, he, he says that in a one week period, uh, th- this character, Tony saved his, his life twice and he was hoping to return the favor today, but, uh, right. it didn't, it didn't work out that way. So, um, he ends up giving Pete a call and saying, look, I didn't get to say one word to him. He got shot out in front of the hotel and, mm-hmm. and I have no idea what he wanted to talk to me about or give me cause he doesn't have anything. And Pete just says, come on home. Yeah. You know, this mission's essentially over. If, if uh, there's nothing content, else we can do yeah. about it. But here's what I like. There's been a couple episodes recently, uh, like the Jack of, Jack, of, uh, Jack of Lies, where he calls in Pete to, to check in. And yeah. the, the business, like the, the activities that they give Pete to do for these just like one scene show ups. It's always like dieting or exercise related. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, you know like he says, Pete, I, always, I know you always eat a cheeseburger when you're... when you're Wearing a tracksuit. Yeah. And so, you know, he, the one, that was like in a previous episode. In this episode, he's building like a rowing machine yeah, of some yeah. kind. And you can see he's like, he's like on the ground, like he's taking parts of his suit off. But he actually looks really dapper. He's got like a vest on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like a three-piece suit. He, he always seems to be from another era. Yeah. Pete. Like he the, the hats he wears. Yeah, yeah. And the, his coats. But, uh, yeah, he's putting together this rowing machine in his office, and uh, they never call attention to it. There's, like, there's like MacGyver doesn't say, uh, like, oh, how's that rowing machine coming around? Or, or you, know, you, you know, you need to get your exercise before we do this other thing. I almost think it's maybe related to um, Final Approach when he says we need to go kayaking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I wonder if he's prepping himself yeah, for that. Yeah, he's getting ready for the, the contest. Um. Yeah, MacGyver tells Pete that he's spent all afternoon talking to the local police about this incident, um, and uh, and later on we see the the Roberts exiting their hotel room, mm-hmm. and there's uh, I can't tell if he's supposed to be drunk or I if he's just he's, like a belligerent guy. I, I'm assuming he's supposed to be drunk, but the whole thing that he just drove there and he's still drinking from the same bottle. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, so there's there's a guy getting out of a pickup truck, and he sets a beer bottle on the Cadillac. Mm-hmm. Um, and June's coming out the door first, and she sees it and kind of pauses and looks at Guy like, uh, that's not cool. Yeah. And then Guy gets upset with him. And um, the character doesn't get a, a credit, or he, he doesn't have a name that's spoken explicitly right, in the episode, right. but he's credited as Harley. Um, and this character is actually um, Tony Epper. Who is from the the famous Epper stunt family? Hmm. Um, his uh, his father John was a stunt man. His brothers Gary and Andy are both stunt men, and uh, his sister Jeannie is a stunt woman. Who I first became aware of in a movie called Double Dare. I forget oh. if I've recommended it to you before. It's a documentary hmm. about the the life of of um, two stunt women specifically. Okay. Half of it follows Jeannie Epper's career from beginning to end, and then the other half of it, well, not end. She's still working pretty regularly um and then the other half is following zoe bell as she's like just getting okay. started oh, yeah 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 yeah. and so and uh it's sort of it starts with the comparison of the two because Jeannie epper used to be um the double on wonder woman 
Um, and then uh, Zoe Bell was the double on Xena for Lucy mm-hmm. Lawless. So they're very similar characters in terms of like the Linda Carter and Lucy Lawless. Yeah, well, because Zoe Bell being a, a New Zealander. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, and at the end of the movie, she's like freaking out because she's getting a call from Quentin Tarantino to come and double for Uma Thurman for Kill Bill. And so she did that whole movie, and then of course, since then she's been in. You know, she was basically the lead in Death Proof, mm. and she was uh, had a brief cameo in Django Unchained, and she's going to be in the new Hateful Eight. Um, she she actually had a uh, a character on Lost. Oh, did she? Yeah, for like two or three episodes, she was like, and I recognized her right away, and I was like, Zoe Bell. Oh wow! And and she you know she had a couple of speaking lines. She she did one stunt. Yeah. Um, but. Uh, but for the most part, she was just casually around. Yeah, yeah. That's cool. Um, I, I met her very briefly at one of uh, the, I think it was probably one of Edgar Wright's festivals at the New Beverly. And I, I got a picture with her. She's a really sweet lady. Mm. Just really nice and just having fun the whole night and everything. Um, but yeah, so Guy basically gets in a fight with uh, with Tony Epper's Harley character trying to defend the honor of his car. <laughs> uh, but I feel like guys maybe crossing the line into like making this a violent fight. Yeah. Like you could have just like knocked the beer over and then like turned around and left or something. Right. But instead he, he gets in the guy's face and he actually like threatens him with his cane, which Harley then breaks, which is almost like he's trying to defuse the situation. But Mm -hmm. then guy comes back after him and just, he's introducing himself with this, like what he's considered his title his whole life that he's he's guy roberts starves stage and screen swashbuckler extraordinaire yeah and the whole time like macgyver's sort of like supervising the situation to make sure it doesn't get out of hand and when it does then he he ends up stepping in uh but yeah in in addition to his the title that he gives he he is bragging to this potentially drunk stranger that he's he's battled with the best of them flynn fairbanks pickford Mm -hmm. which i thought was funny for a couple of reasons one like this guy obviously doesn't care about like these yeah old school hollywood characters that he's that he says he's fought with but clearly there were staged fights and also the fact that he throws pickford in there that's like, yeah you fought a woman <laughs> like <laughs> is that is that's part of your threat and that's the one you end on um but uh he, the edward mulhair never actually appeared with with uh, flynn in anything but he did play opposite uh, richard green's robin hood on the Robin Hood TV series in the fifties. Okay. So, but um, he, he, I checked IMDb just cur- out of curiosity. Right, Paul Harris right. had acted with any of those people, and and uh, as far as I can tell, he he had not. But what about Guy Roberts? <laughs> uh, Guy Roberts was with all three of them, as far as I know. In Space Pirates. <laughs> Coming soon. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so Mac interrupts the fight, and uh, we have sort of the second occurrence of of his like flaily like don't hit yeah don't hit maneuver which i think he pulled on fuad in the escape don't hit but uh but yeah so he he has this jacket trick that he basically he can tell that this fight isn't gonna end uh easily so he lays his jacket out on the ground and says all right well if we're gonna fight let me at least put my jacket down my favorite jacket it's my favorite jacket i don't want anything to happen to it so he lays it in a parking lot yeah and then uh uh tony uh, what's the character's name harley Harley, steps on the jacket thinking that he's like brilliant like oh oh it's your favorite jacket look i'm stepping on it and then macgyver yanks it out from under him and he basically cracks his face open on the side of the cadillac um which i think would do a lot more damage than just putting the beer on the hood but yeah so that i think that's part of why they put him on the show because it looks like a bad hit (laughs) like it looks like he actually Mm -hmm. cracked his head on the car 
Um, <laughs> when he like he says, "Let's get you checked in," and then as you walk away, he just goes, "Shoo." Yeah, <laughs> it'd be funny if you just hear like "meep meep," like just pushes them off into traffic. Um, but yeah, so after the fight, uh, Guy thanks uh, Mac for his intervention, and mm-hmm. uh, and MacGyver sort of repeats to him the swashbuckler extraordinaire line that he said before right and right. so guy thinks oh this guy knows who i am exactly but and he doesn't really correct him which mm-hmm. happens several times over the course of this episode but i thought i thought it's a nice touch that it's like this guy is kind of falling out of the limelight a little bit and he really wants people to recognize him like they used to and so macgyver like anytime he like accidentally recognizes him as a celebrity if he doesn't correct it he just lets the guy think, yeah, yeah, yeah i knew who you were i, I remember now and, and that's kind of where they part ways, at least for this scene. Right. Um, but then we cut to the weirdest thing of the hitmen who killed Tony. Staying at the same hotel. They're at the same hotel. It's so weird. Like, MacGyver even said that he was talking with the police all afternoon. And it's yeah. like, they wouldn't check the whole hotel for the people. Right. Like, like did you see anything? Has, you know? Yeah. Uh, you, I would detain, I, would, I would think that would be the first thing to do is you detain all the guests. Yeah. Until you've had time, chance to clear them. Yeah. Make sure that the stories are all, you can corroborate everything. And Yeah. Because uh, them staying at the same hotel is very bizarre. Like, were there no other witnesses? Like, no one, no one else saw Well, them? the thing that bothered me at first was, like, if they're at the same hotel, isn't there still, like, a blood-stained car? Like, well, but, that, the, but they do mention that they yeah, got rid they, of the they car. they got rid of the car. It's the first line of dialogue that we really have with these guys. Because they just wanted to clear up that plot hole immediately. Yeah. Even though they just should have been at a different hotel. There's no reason to stay at the hotel where you shot a guy in the parking lot that mm-hmm. day. Um, but, yeah, Richard Hatch uh, is the leader of this gang. Uh, he's Talbot. playing a character, Michael Talbot. Um, Richard Hatch is probably best known um, for uh, playing Apollo on the original Battlestar Galactica. Um, and uh, his two henchmen are Tom and Phil. Mm-hmm. And he's basically lecturing them for the terrible job that they did. And and continues to lecture them throughout the episode. Yeah. Well, it's also funny because we're, this is this is nighttime now. Like, has he been lecturing them all day? Yeah. It's... If, if I were... By the end of this episode, you're going to see. But, but if I were Tom or Phil... I would have quit just, a long time. Yeah, ago. I would have just gotten gotten rid of this Tony guy yeah. or Talbot guy. Um, so the henchmen, like the first line that they have in the hotel room here, is that they stashed the car in a garage outside of town. Um, and then uh, Michael Talbot says, "Find the satchel." He's <laughs> just like they keep referring to it as a satchel, and every time it makes me laugh. I would have just said a bag. Yeah, and like, what if he put it in something else? Yeah. Like, why would he leave it in the same thing that he stole? Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, Michael explains that uh, he's a traveling salesman with no merchandise without that bag. Um, but when we find out what's in the bag, which is money, mm-hmm. I don't understand. Like you're you're selling money to people. Like it just seems like I don't understand I, yeah. what the point is. My my only assumption is that he's selling the service of counterfeiting. Yeah. Like look at how good these counterfeits are. Count counterfeits. Counterfeits. Yeah, counterfeits. Sure. Um, uh, I can make more for you, I guess, would yeah. be the sale. But there's um, very little money in this bag. So it's not like he's just handing out stacks to people. Right. But um, I guess, you know, if if forensics experts got a hold of it, maybe they could trace the supplies and where, you know, this paper, this ink came from. But it's from. just like, who in the world is dumb enough to buy counterfeit money? Like, you're trading real money for mm-hmm. fake money. Like, it doesn't, there's, the logic doesn't make sense. Like, right. 
that's obviously like the worst thing in the world. You're just buying paper. You're buying fake money from people. Why would you do that on purpose? Like that, so that you can do the same thing to someone else. That's the well, only reason. Well, well, here's the thing. You're probably not buying it for even one to one. No, not one to one. But even if you're paying fifty dollars for a hundred fake dollars, it yeah, just but, seems weird to me. But then you turn that money around. Maybe if someone's just really desperate to use it as like a strip club money or something. Yeah. I don't understand the, the purpose of it otherwise. Well, well in the, uh, I don't know. Not many people saw this movie called Kill the Man where it's, it's, uh, it's, it's Luke Wilson and uh, he owns like a small copy and print store but then like a FedEx Kinko's kind of store open okay. across the street. And they keep trying to figure out ways to take them down. And one of the things that they do um, is they start photocopying $20 bills. And going across the street and just buying, like, stupid impulse items and paying with the fake 20s and getting the real money. <laughs> um, so that's, that's how I'm thinking. Like, like you, you, would, you would have to launder the fake money and yeah. hope that no one catches on in the amount of time that you do that. It's very you – know, It's a poorly thought out plan. Yeah. It would have been better had it just been a satchel full of money that they needed for drugs or a payment to somebody or – But even selling, like, fake jewels makes more sense to me because – even a cubic zirconium has like a set value, mm-hmm. but like counterfeit money is literally valueless. Yeah, like it's not worth the money. It's the paper it's printed on. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's that's their job is they're selling counterfeit money. Um, a guy tells June that he's going to go out and put the top up for the night, and he finds the satchel in the car, mm-hmm. and uh, he's going through it and and just realizes that he's just coming to a lot of money, and that this is going to make his life a lot easier. Right. Um, the next morning, uh, Guy's credit card is declined at the front desk, and uh, he offers a personal check, and the, the clerk points to a sign that says, no personal checks. Mm-hmm. Um, and the clerk here is is uh, an actor named Tony Frank, who is in a lot of stuff, but uh, weirdly, the thing I think I recognized him from was uh, UHF, where he plays Victoria Jackson's father Okay. in the scene where um, you have uh, George Newman forgets his girlfriend's birthday. And it cuts mm-hmm. to like her at the restaurant with her parents, and like nothing has happened yet. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, which leads into one of my favorite visual gags of the episode when he's like, she comes home and her entire apartment is filled to the brim with like I'm sorry balloons and <laughs> flowers. And um, but yeah, that's a really funny movie if you haven't seen it. Um, I'm not, very unfortunately, Victoria Jackson is totally crazy now. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> too sad. Um, but yeah, so basically, as a last resort, although he doesn't seem that reluctant about it mm-hmm. he decides he's going to pay his hotel bill with the okay. cash that he yeah. found um and he whips it out of his pocket and doesn't even like do it discreetly to like hide it from june he's just like oh well i suppose this is enough money and mm-hmm. just drops a crap load of money and then gives him extra yeah it gives him because he's coming all this money so it means nothing to him so he drops like a 50 percent tip for no reason and then we cut to macgyver um whose rental car is breaking down yeah um apparently 50 miles from a service station the, the air conditioner is overheating, and uh, he decides he's going to try and fix it with a paper clip. Yeah, this is this is a really good kind of like a switch that I like because it's like, oh, you know. You're expecting it to just work. Yeah, because I mean, MacGyver can fix anything. So, you know, you see him, he's got a paper clip, and he's talking about how, how many things can be fixed with a paper clip. And, and as soon as he starts the car, just sparks just start flying out of the ignition. And honestly, it's about time because there's so many of these where he's been like, well, there's a 50-50 chance this is going to happen, and it's mm-hmm. like, this needed to backfire at some point. You've had too many yeah. too many 50-50 things fall your way. That flipping coin is eventually going to go the other way. But even when I was watching it with my wife, Jesse, she was just like, 
that's not going to work. <laughs> she was like, no, that paperclip's totally not going to serve the function of that fuse. So this is just going to, and then it just totally backfired. Right. Um, and then uh, we, we go back to the hotel where uh, Michael Talbot, the, the bad guy, and his henchmen are checking out, which I don't even know why they needed to stay at the hotel. Like, mm-hmm. couldn't they have just gone home? Like, why did they even need to stay there? Yeah, it's... It just really doesn't make any sense. And they all shared a room. Yeah. Which which is like, for, for someone who really doesn't seem to like these two other guys, yeah. Talbot's like sharing a room with them. Yeah. I'm sure they're less excited about it than he is. Uh, but yeah, so... Uh, Michael hassles the desk clerk because uh, he gets a 20 in his change when he's paying his bill, which how much was this hotel in 1986 that you're, you're yeah. getting a 20 in your like, change? Even Did a you motel, pay with 100? Even a Motel 6 now is only like, like what, 26 to $30? Was it a 20 that he's getting change on? I, well, he asked, asked me because I think it's all 20s that the are whole, the counterfeit because the, they're, the they're literally all the same bill yeah. over and over again. So that – and. We don't know this yet, but when Michael sees the bill, he he recognizes it not just because it's a fresh twenty, but because the serial number is the same on all the money. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he starts hassling this desk clerk for information on who gave it to him, and impossibly the desk clerk remembers who gave him this specific yeah, twenty. Yeah. Um, that it was uh, Guy Roberts, and that he was in a convertible, and uh, then the henchman put the money in in uh, the yeah. desk clerk's mouth Shuts and walk it. away, which is still the fake money. Yeah, which. Technically, Talbot needs. Yeah. Because you don't want to start saturating the market before. Yeah, you don't want to push this stuff out there so that people can shut it down right away. But, um, yeah, so MacGyver trying to fix his own car. Um, and this time, uh, I think he says, uh, I'm trying to remember how many times. Because he, he says something like, a paper clip has gotten me out of jam more times than I can remember. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I'm trying to remember how many times we've seen it happen, at least. I know it happened in the pilot with the nuclear weapon. Right. The heist mm-hmm. with the zipper. Zipper, which was it, a really silly... Yeah, both of them were silly. But I, that might be it in terms of when we've actually seen a paper clip. Because cause we get excited about it every time. Yeah. Yeah, we've been keeping track of paper clips and uh, gum wrappers and things like that. Just sort of lazily. <laughs> Obviously, because yeah. I can't remember anything beyond that. Right, but I mean, it's it's the classic MacGyver tools. Yeah, um, yeah. So Guy and June, uh, after having left the hotel, come upon uh, MacGyver with his car broken down, mm-hmm. and they offer to give him a ride to Albuquerque Airport, which should be the opposite direction if they're in. Right, but they say it's on the way. Right, but so the, I mean, there's a there's a La Mesa in New Mexico, but Albuquerque is still way out of the way. It's just a fictional town. Yeah. Um, so June tells MacGyver the story that Guy basically lied to her. Mm. Um, she says that Guy's going to be starring in a new movie, and uh, and that it's going to be called. Sp- <laughs> he tells he tells MacGyver that it's called Space Pirates because he's just pressed for information. And well, it, it actually, it almost seems like he had that on the ready though. It's like, you think? It's called Space Pirates. It's a, it, like he's like, oh, someone asked me what the movie is. I'm gonna have to tell him something. <laughs> it just felt like. As as ridiculous off the top of his head as he could come up with, he's like, mm-hmm. "Oh, what's it called? Uh, space pirates." And it's like if I spend too much time thinking about it, June will question me. So I'm yeah. gonna say the first two words that he, come to my head. He couldn't have just said pirates. Yeah, and that would have been poli- perfectly believable. Yeah, and uh, in, in the process of this conversation, guy brings up other projects he's worked on. Geronimo's Last Ride, um, which he thinks was shot around here, and June corrects him that that was Arizona. So this must not be Arizona. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and uh, then the villains are catching up with the car, and they see them in the rearview mirror, and MacGyver and Guy kind of have the same thought process going, because MacGyver knows there's bad guys. He recognizes this car, because now they got the car back that hit Tony right. in the parking lot. And Guy recognizes the car. Well, I don't know if he recognizes the car, but he no. sees that these people are chasing them, and he thinks they, yeah. they want this money back. So Guy starts speeding up, and he's confident in his car. He thinks that he can outrun mm-hmm. them. Yeah, but they start uh, trying to knock him off the road. Yeah. Like, they pull up, and they're, they're, you know, they're ramming into the car. The car's taking some damage. And so, June should be freaking out more than she is, probably. Yeah, yeah. She's she's actually pretty calm, given the whole situation. Because the other two kind of have some idea what's going on. But June should just be like, oh, no, someone wants to murder us for no mm-hmm. reason. And so MacGyver just starts, I was going to say, lo- lobbing luggage. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't quite get it out. He's lugging luggage. <laughs> Um, and he's tossing it out onto the street, which is totally pointless. It's not slowing yeah. the car down at all. Uh, yeah, the car the car is swerving to avoid them, but he's trying to uh, lock up the wheels. Yeah, or but the one he ends up getting like onto the windshield of the car, right? Like stays on the windshield. It sticks. Yeah. Like it gets caught there, and they they end up spinning out into the dirt a little bit. Yeah. Um, but they quickly recover, and now they start opening fire. Yeah. He almost throws the satchel full of money, and then Guy's like, wait, no, don't yeah, do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but this chase, uh, even as it's happening, Guy says it reminds him of a film that he did called The Great Pursuit. Mm-hmm. And then MacGyver sort of uh, Amigo-esque situation reminds them, yes, but these are real bullets. <laughs> oh, great. Real bullets. Oh, well. Max starts cutting open the back seat. Yeah, but MacGyver is now like doing what he's going to do the rest of the episode and that is tearing the car apart yeah he's just disassembling it piece by piece Th- this is the most clever part of the episode though that they're cannibalizing the vehicle for all of the macgyver exactly I, I really like this aspect of it yeah um so yeah he takes the um the cover for the top which is like a leather leather cover that's buttoned down to the back of the car yeah and he throws that out, and it gets caught up in the wheel well. Right. And, uh, you know, so that kind of temporarily forces the goons to slow down, and they're trying to speed up and, like, go back and forth trying to unwind it from the from the tires. Yeah. Uh, and then he continues chopping up the back seat of the car so that mm-hmm. the uh, they can raise the top, and then he would completely disassemble it from the car. Yeah. So once they're moving fast enough, um, he tells Guy to raise the... Uh, the top and then as soon as he raises it it just rips it right off the car right yeah he he, he like he loosened some of the screws or, or disabled some of the things just so it wouldn't get like do it a like a peewee's big adventure kind of like tenting yeah yeah, yeah parachute kind of effect so yeah it flips right off and and then just like the suitcase gets stuck on the windshield yeah it covers the windshield and then they skid off the side of the road and actually get a flat tire correct um and for some reason this reminds guy of another movie he was in which was called my holiday in ruritania <laughs> and uh, this is when MacGyver starts jumping in with titles of real movies mm-hmm. that he's that he's confusing Guy for having been in. So MacGyver says, "Oh yeah, you were in uh, Prisoner of Zenda in 1952." Was it that? And and uh, Guy corrects him, "No, that was James Mason." <laughs> um, and then suddenly, like right off the bat, as soon as they're the bad guys have a flat tire, the red light comes on on the dash mm-hmm. to indicate some engine trouble. Yeah, but it reminded me of Kit <laughs> as soon as they go in on it. Because yeah, the red light is kind of this like horizontal brick. It, it's this really like uh, specific warning light bar. Yeah. Like every aspect of the car has a light. Yeah. Um, but in this case, it is the gas light. Right. Indicating that there is low gas. 
Which, did they shoot a hole in the gas line? The same as what happened at the beginning of uh, Every Time She Smiles? No, No, that was The Enemy Within. No, I think think what they determined is this, that the gas line cracks. Just independently independently of this whole situation. situation. And MacGyver decides that he's going to fix it with a pen. Mm -hmm. Which, I think it was Hellfire's the last time he fixed the car with a pen. Yeah. Uh, This time he's not using a spring for the... It was the linkage spring, right, that he was doing last oh, well, time? Oh, uh, he, uh, didn't he fix a car with a pen? No, no, sorry. Okay, never mind. I was thinking of, um, uh, when he's on the hood of the car with, Bar- uh. With Michael Goodwin as, uh, as, um. Bannister. Right, yeah. He's on the hood of the car with Bannister. Yeah, I th- he didn't use a pen then, though. No, that was just, um, he cut the tubes. And then switched the fluids then, around. Yeah, switched yeah, the fluids yeah. around. He put, um the brake fluid in the steering or vice versa right um yeah so uh macgyver uh basically the way he's fixing this tube which I, i'm pretty sure would work like it's yeah, pretty reasonable pen's hollow. yeah so he cuts the tube the rest of the way so that it's completely severed and then he sticks um an empty pen tube in one side and then mm-hmm. basically just puts a seam over it like right. he just he closes the tube around the this this pen tube so that it can actually continue. So the flow to, can yeah. continue. But before that, when he when he asks uh, Guy if he has a pen, Guy goes, "Oh, right, oh yeah. but of course," and takes out the pen and then immediately starts getting ready to sign something and says, "Who should I make it out to?" Yeah. And you know he says MacGyver and you know he very and, and June even goes like like June understands what the situation yeah. was that that MacGyver would clearly wanted a pen yeah. and not the autograph and yeah. she thanks him. And so MacGyver decides not to correct him and just kind of, oh, you know what? I was just thinking maybe I could use that pen to fix the car, too. <laughs> yeah. Like, as an afterthought. Um, but so he fixes the fuel line, and he tells June and Guy basically what's been going on because yeah. he thinks that he's at fault for this whole situation. Yeah, Guy, Guy tries to confess uh, to MacGyver, but MacGyver interrupts him. Yeah, with and, his confession. Mm-hmm. And so then Guy says, oh, well, we're all in this together. Because he wants to seem like he's just a really nice guy, when in actuality he's relieving himself of a little bit of the right. guilt by helping out. Uh, and then MacGyver starts removing the muffler. Right. Uh, you know, he grabs one of the floor mats, because the muffler's going to be hot. Yeah. Um, and uh, slowly works, it, works his way to get it out. Although I have to say that without the muffler, the car doesn't seem to be any louder. Yeah. Um, but I don't mean, it's just... Uh, this is like, for the sake of audience, the, I hope the audience doesn't recall yeah. what a muffler does. I forget what a does. muffler does. <laughs> <laughs> it muffles something. Um, and he starts, uh, you know, he starts like denting one end of the muffler, uh, and uh, tearing, uh, and like so he get, he gets like a container. and He has June. He like he kicks off one of the taillights, one of the those kind of like fancy, yeah, um, the little like like pointy dome headlights. Yeah, the old Cadillac taillights. Taillights. Um, and he has. But see, then this is what I don't understand. Then he goes under the back of the car. It cuts a fuel cuts line. Cuts a fuel line again. Which when he, he would already, need another pen to fix. Yeah, it's like he already you has. You had a fuel line open before. Why don't you go and get the fuel from that? Yeah. Um, I don't I don't, I don't. don't know if, if this was a situation where he just pulled the line out and then plugged it back in. Yeah, because we never see him go back under the car to fix it after mm-hmm. he fills this the headlight up with gas. Yeah, so I'm, I'm not sure what light. happened there, but... Um, and then he slices open the back seat again and starts pulling right. out the stuffing. And at this point, though, they have gotten back on the road because uh, Talbot and his men have fixed the flat tire. Right. So, but when we see him in the back seat of the car with his uh, the Swiss Army knife out and he's slicing up the 
the actual cushions. He was playing around with the knife between takes, and he cut open his finger real bad. Oh. And so you can see uh, later on in the episode, uh, so he cuts all the stuffing out of the chair, and then he loads it into this muffler mm-hmm. like it's a potato gun, essentially. Yeah, yeah. And then he dumps in the fuel. But as you see him, like, dumping everything into the top of the thing, he's got a huge bandage over his finger because huh. he sliced it open in the backseat you know, of the car. I mean, you have Which so gets smart. mentioned again next week. Yeah. In Phoenix Under Siege. Yeah, exactly. I, you know, I was going to bring that up uh, with the next episode. But, yeah. Um, you, you know, you have a Swiss Army knife. It's never been my experience with Swiss Army knives that the knives are all that sharp. Are they uh, sharp? My, the one you gave me is really sharp. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, like, I, maybe I have just, like have had worn ones given but to me. But it's also possible that, you know, I mean, he has a lot more experience with Swiss Army knives than we do. So you can Apparently, cut yourself uh, on a dull thing if you if you play yeah. with it often enough. Um, but, yeah, he was just messing around with it, and he cut his hand open real bad. Ugh. And uh, and so I, I'm somewhere, um, I think it was in the forums um, on MacGyver Online, they were saying that by the end of the series, his hands were cut up so bad that anytime they would go in for an insert, they'd have to use his brother's hands. Oh, to double geez. for him because he had so many scars on his hands, which is uh, crazy. But well, why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't that just be? Yeah, that's what I imagined MacGyver's hands would look like. Yeah, just it's just... scars all over them. Uh, but uh, so yeah, so MacGyver's now like tearing out the seat cushions, getting this 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 thing ready. He's got the what do they call those steering wheel knobs so you can make turns. I think steering wheel knob. Just the steering wheel knob. Yeah, he's got one of those. He's going to use that. That's going to be his his cannonball. Yeah, and. They get a little bit extra time because the goons like go the wrong way, like temporarily. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it was kind just of just out weird... of nowhere. He's just like, "Where are you going?" And he's like, "Where does it look like I'm going?" And it's like the wrong direction. We just came to a fork in the road, and you can see the dust. They went that way. Yeah, I I really feel that that could have just been cut. Yeah, like we don't need. I wasn't questioning why they were so far behind. In any, yeah. any given chase movie, you can pretty much pull the cars apart or push them together as far as you want, and I'm just going to assume that that's the natural course of the chase. Exactly. Um, but another thing I wanted to mention when, when he says the line earlier that we're all in this together, he says, uh, that was a quote I said in Dance of the Sword, or was it Duel to the Death? And June says it, that he says the line in both movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and of all the movies that he mentions himself having been in, Duel to the Death is the only one that actually exists. But it's not a Guy Roberts or Edward Mulhair movie. Mm-hmm. It's um, it's a Hong Kong martial arts movie that I love. I, I've shown you that movie. I've never right? seen Duel to the Death. You've never seen Duel to the Death? Never seen okay. it. Okay, well, make it, we're, make we'll it rectify day. that soon. But um, it came out in 1983, and uh, it has some of the craziest ninja scenes. Despite it having nothing to do with this episode, I will be posting the trailer um, <laughs> in our blog post. So you have that to look forward to. But it's it's amazing if you if you have time to check it out. Um but yeah, so he. Oh, and we also didn't mention, but they they managed to bring along with them like a bunch of ice. For, I'm assuming from the hotel, mm-hmm. which they dumped this ice water over the muffler because the muffler would have been really hot. In yeah, case yeah, we were yeah. worried about MacGyver handling the muffler, right? Yeah, yeah. As soon as he before he starts like rigging the cannon, yeah, he he throws the ice water over the over the muffler. Yeah. So now they're they're back on the road, and Talbot is getting ready. They're they're in close proximity. So uh, MacGyver has June hit the cigarette lighter to yeah. get it to get it heated up, while he takes aim, and then uh, you know he has her light the fuse while he holds it, and this this is a pretty crazy thing because when the cannon goes off, MacGyver just flies towards the Into front of the, the front car, seat. yeah, 
like it's like wow it's got a lot of kick to it yeah i i wasn't expecting that i thought it was just gonna be like a casual like whoosh but, but yeah, I, they needed to have that much kick in order for us to believe that he basically fired it through the engine block. Yeah, exactly. Because yeah, it goes it goes through the grill, hits the radiator, uh, and presumably penetrates the radiator and disables the car. But I think the car more disables itself because they go off the road and do yeah. a complete roll. Yeah, they flip the car. Yeah. So no matter what, that car is just is toast. But at this point, guy is leaking enough oil that um, they're able to just follow it. Yeah. On foot. Um, but the oil light comes on on the dash. And it again, it just looks like a kit mm-hmm. warning. Um, it's probably just an actual, like, 59 Caddy warning. Yeah, um, yeah. But, uh, but then they get out of the car, and they, they're parked up on this hillside overlooking this ghost town. And um, the ghost town that we're looking down on is uh, Paramount Ranch in Agora Hills, California. It's about three miles from my house, I realized, yeah. after I looked this up. Yeah, we went there today. Yeah, we went there this morning um, to take another look at it. Um, almost none of the structures that you see in the episode are still there. Yeah. Because um, when they were filming Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman, either the series or a TV movie for it, they ended up rebuilding pretty much the entire town. Um, but it is the same area. Um, and the trees are all the same. It's just the, all the buildings have been replaced. Right, right. Um, and there's a couple buildings that have jail cells in them. There might be jail cells we'll see later in this episode, but uh, I mean, it's not entirely clear. They, mm-hmm. they do look newer. Um, at this point, a uh, guy confesses uh, to the satchel. Right. And I really like how he does it because he does it in a very stage-like fashion. Yeah, it's very Shakespearean. <laughs> yeah, he, he steps away from the car and comes closer to the camera and projects away from them. Yeah. Like he's speaking away from them, and he, he's telling them what happened. And then June goes, project guy. Those those of us in the back can't hear you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and he explains that he found the money in the car and that he doesn't know where it came from. Uh and uh, so June is kind of now miffed at him, and you know MacGyver also takes some of the blame to try to take some of the heat off of yeah. the guy that uh, these men were looking for me too. It's, and this money wouldn't be in the car if I hadn't met my friend out here. Yeah. So they kind of spot like this deserted town that's nearby, and they decide to push the car to get there. Right. Um, but uh, it's kind of weird because when they're up on the hill and and before they head down to the town, it's like almost nighttime. Right. And then uh, but, it's midday. Again. Yeah, it's midday as soon as they get down into the town. Yeah. Uh, is is one of those next thing. shoot day? Yeah, exactly. Definitely a next shoot day. Like it's like oh, the sun's almost setting. We need to get this scene. Uh, it's a little dark. Just get, just do it. Just do it. Uh, Nobody will notice except for that Richard guy. Yeah. Jerk. Patrick won't even notice. <laughs> That's how much he cares about the MacGyver universe. He overlooks things like that. Oh, okay. <laughs> so the bad guys following the the. Oil for mm-hmm. all of what two miles maybe. Yeah, it couldn't find have been a broken that far. down car, and they see. Well, they don't find the car, but they see the ghost town. And figure and, that must be. Yeah, and there's like a giant puddle of oil where the car finally stopped moving. Mm-hmm. Yeah, from from there they they let it coast. Yeah. Uh, the rest of the way into the town. And then we move down to the town where MacGyver is looking through the money and realizing it's fake. Apparently, it's really good counterfeit money because he says the paper's good and the ink is good. Mm-hmm. The only the only indicator that it's fake is that the serial numbers are the same yeah uh, so at least one of them is real right <laughs> Technically. But finding the real one is the trick um so uh they start trying to put together you know classic macgyver distraction traps and yeah, it's essentially the same situation as um evermore at the end of the target macgyver episode mm-hmm. it's 
MacGyver with an elderly man in a ghost town and a team of hitmen are coming to kill them. Mm-hmm. But now the, the elderly man's wife is alive instead of dead <laughs> from a car accident a long time ago, which we'll cover next week. Yeah, we'll cover that next week. Um, so MacGyver tells Guy to pull the car horn out of the car. Um, and he starts bo- booby trapping the same as they did in Evermore mm-hmm. or Skyfall or the McAllister home. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and he starts building this horn doorbell um, in one of the like abandoned houses that basically he sets the car horn up and connects it to a battery, and then he uses uh, some wire, a horseshoe, and some wire to mm-hmm. make like a switch so that as soon as someone tries to open this door, it'll activate the horn. Yeah. With the car battery. Um, and just honk it right in this guy's ear. Um, and then uh, Guy is just worrying about... Um, he, he, I'm trying to remember how he words it exactly, but he says things in such a way like that MacGyver, MacGyver thinks he's talking about the car still. He says, like, mm-hmm. oh, I've never seen her like this. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm tearing her apart and things yeah. like that. I can't believe she's ho- holding up as well as she did. and Yeah. Yeah, and so when MacGyver finally realizes what he's talking about... Because MacGyver accidentally says, she may not look like much now, and he's like, not much? I'll have you know she looks as gorgeous as she did the day I married her. Yeah. He's like, married? You're talking about the car. So, guys... Or you're talking about June. Yeah. (laughs) You're not talking about the car. He married the car. Uh, My mother, the car. My uh, wife, the car. You remember Turbo Teen? Turbo Teen? Yeah. No. It the basically this the series premise was this kid who can turn into a car. So he's like a transformer kid. Yeah, but like it's like when hot or cold water splashes on him is what causes them to change from one to the so other. So it could happen like against his will. Yeah, and it's really weird to watch like the change process. Like, like the it was like ah. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> this transformation sounds terrible. Every time he takes a shower, he becomes a car. Yeah. He must smell awful. I know. That's what I'm saying. Like, it's such a weird thing, but I don't know. I don't know why that came into my mind just now. Uh, so MacGyver uh, takes some old newspapers and shreds them up to make, like, a bouquet of flowers for Guy to give to June. Right. And, uh, which works like a charm. Yeah, for some uh, reason. Yeah. Um, but the bad guy is sneaking up on Guy, mm-hmm. on the good guy, Yeah. as uh, as he's giving the flowers to his wife. So we see... For whatever reason, June decided she was going to wait in this jail cell in one of the abandoned buildings. And then a guy goes in there with her, um, and he's got the paper flowers under a hat, and he starts just apologizing to her. Mm -hmm. And and she accepts the apology just as Michael Talbot shows up behind them. In the meantime, uh, MacGyver had tricked, uh, I think it was Phil, to looking underneath the car. Like, like he he put some shoes... Uh, like under the under the like in front of the car and so when phil looks down he just sees like a pair of feet and thinks okay someone's standing around the hood and he tries to to get the jump on him but there's no one there and for some reason he looks in the engine and then macgyver brings the hood down yeah, on him yeah uh and then with the other one like, he, maybe he's in here <laughs> no that's not how cards work uh and then the other guy uh gets knocked out by when like the car horn the goes car off. The car horn goes off and then right. MacGyver just knocks him out cold. Yeah. And and Talbot hears the car horn go off with Guy and June and says, Oh, it looks like they found your friend. Yeah. Or yeah. they found the car. Yeah. Uh thinking that they're trying to alert Talbot to where they are. Yeah. So, you know, Talbot brings them out and uh he's asking where the money is and so, you know, Guy takes him over to the car and 
and now finally, this is this is again my one of my moments I really like is yeah. the car has been being destroyed this whole time, and and Guy is just so upset about it. So finally, Guy gets to help destroy the car. Yeah, he grabs the the antenna aerial and just starts whipping it at Talbot. Yeah, and it, oh man, those things gotta hurt. I'm yeah. sorry, like a switch like that, like getting hit with it. Ugh. And uh, and so, then MacGyver takes another piece off of the car with, by taking the hubcap. Mm-hmm. And so as he's uh, Guy is is whipping Michael around, and then Michael sort of gets the upper hand, yeah. and is about to crack him in the head, and then MacGyver frisbees this hubcap mm-hmm. across the room and just knocks him out cold. So now they're literally all three of them have been knocked yeah. unconscious by MacGyver. It's really good at this. He should be like an anesthesiologist. <laughs> just walks into the dentist's room. He's a, hmm, uh, just clang. throws a frisbee at your head. <laughs> I'm so good at not injuring people and yet rendering them unconscious. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's he's so violently nonviolent. Yeah, and at this point, MacGyver, in the, in the wake of having knocked out three men, finally remembers two actual movies that Guy Roberts was in, mm-hmm. which are uh, Rampage of the Round Table and Night of a Thousand Days, <laughs> which is spelled in the subtitles um, K N I G H T. Yeah, 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 yeah. But still, the the pun. Or is... no, it's it's not spelled with a K. It's in not the subtitles. Which I'm pretty sure it was supposed to be. K. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that's that's the whole joke of it, I would think. Yeah. Um, and then we get sort of. Um, oh, like a fifth act. Yeah, again, and uh, is similar to the one we had uh, last week, um, where the, we just kind of wrapped the story up completely, and uh, basically uh, MacGyver and Peter in a warehouse somewhere, um, and <laughs> there's this conspicuously covered convertible '59 mm-hmm. Cadillac. Um, with a tarp over it, and guy has no idea what they're doing there, and uh, and then Pete says uh, that they stopped this this funny money from well first they unveil the car yeah 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 and uh, and show him that it's in pristine condition they totally fixed the car probably would have been better just easier just to buy a new fifty nine Cadillac I'm sure they just shot okay. the scene first and then destroyed <laughs> a fifty nine Cadillac that's even worse um, but yeah so they uh, they totally fixed the car. And Pete says that they stopped this funny money from saturating the entire West Coast. And they which, got the plates. Yeah. And it was hardly any money. But, um, <laughs> I mean, there was if each of those stacks is like $1,000, mm. then it was like $40,000. Like, you're not going to saturate the West Coast with that. Well, but but again, like, they have the plates. Their, their service is probably like someone says, I need $1 million of counterfeit So money. were the plates in the bag, or was it just a sample? I, I think that was just a sample to prove... We have plates. We can manufacture money okay. for you. That makes more sense. And then um, after they pull the tarp off, I bet you this was improvised. Uh, thread from the tarp is left on the car. Mm-hmm. And then Guy goes over and says, oh, it looks like there's a scratch. And then MacGyver blows it off and says, thread. Yeah. And that's the end of the episode. He does, he does like that really like thread. Yeah. Like being like more... Uh, theatrical but it honestly felt like to me something that that just happened on set they pulled the tarp off and they were like oh there's still a piece of string on mm. there or like someone noticed it and thought it was a scratch and they were like oh that's good let's have them come over and think it's a scratch yeah because yeah. i bet it actually was a piece of that tarp oh i'm sure it was um yeah and uh and that's basically the end of the episode mm-hmm. it's it's an okay episode it like well, we, we we did make reference that it's a lot like kind of like target macgyver uh in the sense that uh, he, he's having just uh, – they're just constantly fleeing. Right. They're constantly fleeing, and he's using everything that he can to either slow down or subdue the people who are after them. 
Um, but and it's I, not the last episode that's entirely a chase sequence that we'll have either. I think yeah. birthday is essentially the same thing. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> that's, a, that's a rough <laughs> Birthday one. is not our favorite episode. No. Um, but I do like that he's just using the car. Yeah. Like that. The, the trick for this episode is using car parts to defend yourself, make and, a cannon. And not and, having access to more than one part of the car. Like exactly. every single MacGyverism is coming from the same car. And the car still has to function. Right. So, you know, like, you know, the first thing he couldn't do would be, like, leave a gasoline trail and set things on fire. Like, And actually, was... it's not even his fault that the oil line got cut. That was from them shooting at the car, I think. Right. So, I mean, nothing they did even rendered the car incapable of working. It was mm-hmm. just the fact that, I mean, it probably wouldn't have run forever without the muffler, without, like, all these other problems that they yeah, did. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. But, um, but yeah. And then uh, moving through a lot of the movie references that happen in this episode because it's it's very uh, self-aware of like the Hollywood situation and everything. But at the very beginning of the episode, June is asking they're, – they're basically doing trivia. And so Guy asks June in To Have and Have Not, which he says in 1945, which it was actually 1944. Mm. But um, he says, who, who did all the singing – whose singing voice was recorded over Lauren Bacall's. Um, and she says that it was Andy Williams and that she explains who told her that and where she learned it. It turns out Andy Williams made this claim in his biography, um, but that it was, it was actually disputed by um, film historians and people that work at the studio who have all the uh, studio call sheets and everything that Miss Bacall did her own singing voice mm-hmm. for that. Um, but uh, Andy Williams and Lauren Bacall, very different sounding voices. Yeah, but I mean, he I was mean, fourteen, so. But yeah, but, but even, no, but even Lauren Bacall, even voice Lauren Bacall sounds deep. like a forty-year-old man. Yeah, not, not exactly. a fourteen-year-old man. Yeah. Um, but then, yeah. So the movies that he mentions, he says, "The Dueling Swashbuckler" in 1952. There's no such film. Um, Space Pirates is obviously a made-up film. Uh, Geronimo's Last Ride is the one that MacGyver thinks he was in. Or no, it, he says he was in Geronimo's Last Ride with Thurston Powell. Which is a made-up actor, uh, potentially based on uh, Thurston Howell, the third, which is <laughs> from the, Gilligan's Island, the millionaire from Gilligan's Island, um, and uh, he's he mentions that he was in The Great Pursuit, uh, My Holiday in Ruritania, uh, The Prisoner of Zenda is a real movie right, from 1952. Right. Um, he says he was in Mulligan's Revenge, Dance of the Sword, Duel to the Death. And then MacGyver's two that he recognizes, uh, Rampage of the Round Table and Night of a Thousand Days. So if uh, if Guy Roberts had an IMDb page, it would sound something like that. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure plenty more because it sounds like he. And we for were a going to time. create an IMDb page. So we'll, we'll be putting that's that's our season two goal. Now that we've uh, we've knocked uh, the beginning the beginning off of uh, <laughs> off of the charts. Can we create Guy Roberts' uh, IMDb <laughs> Star profile? Star Station Screen, Swashbuckler Extraordinaire. Um, yeah. I, I think this is a fun episode. Yeah, I, it's it, it does all right. You know, it it, keep, you know, it keeps moving. There's a couple of silly things, and I, I I really like Talbot's banter with his crony guys who just do not like what they're doing and they yeah. do not like working for this guy. Yeah. Um, but they have to. Um, and and that's always a fun situation when you feel sympathetic for for some of the characters, like even the villains. Yeah, like, yeah. Because yeah. it's like, oh man, I. I feel sorry for these guys having to put up with this, but you know they get they gotta get their jobs done too. Yeah. I guess. and all three of these guys have really interesting faces to them. Oh, I mean, absolutely. Uh, 
Richard Hatch obviously has worked a lot, and so he's a very recognizable figure. But he's just so expressive with his face in that, mm-hmm. especially in that first lecture that he's giving them in the hotel. It's just really interesting. And uh, and the two henchmen guys, I mean, even though they don't really get much to work with, uh, I think they're they're all very interesting characters. I, yeah. I would have been fun to even have these guys come back at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that happens for any of them. Um, one of them actually, I think, passed away not long after this episode was filmed mm-hmm. um, from some unexpected situation obviously um but uh yeah it was like five years after this episode i think um, not the guy with the comb over or the leader but the other guy i think passed away um but yeah it's uh it it has a pretty good pace i think and the characters are all pretty fun um and the relationship between them feels really genuine and uh, Mm. uh, maybe part of that is because they actually were in a relationship at the time correct yeah we're, Um, we're talking about guy in june right yes (laughs) <laughs> or or Guy and MacGyver. Yeah. <laughs> you never know. Um, it's still weird that Tony Sullivan's not credited, but yeah, you know, that's their call, I guess. It's not the, not the way I would have done it. <laughs> or I'm pretty sure the way SAG would have let you do it. Because right? if someone says a word in a movie, then you have to credit the person. Well, I mean, I guess unless they don't want to. Maybe he actually is a member of the syndicate. <laughs> he didn't want to be found out. He just wanted people to recognize him, and they'd be like, who is that guy? Ah, oh, we'll never know. We'll never know. Um, but yeah, I think that about wraps it up mm. for uh, Three for the Road. Um, if you have any comments on this or future episodes, uh, you can find us on Twitter, at Opening Gambit. Uh, you can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Podcast. And as always, you can find us on our website, phoenixfoundationpodcast.com. Uh, tune in next week. We're going to be covering... Season 2, Episode 11, Phoenix Under Siege, mm-hmm. which is yeah. a masterpiece. <laughs> so, um, It's diehard. And, and we get Harry back. It's, Finally. It's been a while, so um, it'll be good to have him back. We haven't seen him since Episode 10 of last season, so mm-hmm. that's, that's almost a full season without him. And I think he'll come back before the end of this season, Oh, yeah, two, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, at the very least for the clip show, but... Um, Yeah, so stay tuned for that, and uh, thank you guys for listening. Thanks. Thanks.